Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I am joined, as always, by Ruth. How are you doing, Ruth? I'm good. I'm good. No, actually, my husband's he's, he's going dry for January, Dave, and it's just it's like I just need it to be the, the first of February. But otherwise, we're good. <laughs> The first, the first thing that Ruth said to me, uh, listeners, was uh, that she can't... When is it the end of January? Or is it the end of January yet? Has been uttered at least five times in our pre, pre-recording pre conversation. So it's obviously tough times uh, over there uh, in, uh, on no, the we're, West Coast. We're, we're good. We're good. What about you? Yeah, all good, thanks. Everyone in the world apparently has COVID here. Um, so that's not helpful. But... Big news today. Um, We're in pretty much a full lockdown. Last week, shops and stuff started to open again, which was great. And we've heard the news today that it will be confirmed tomorrow that bars and pubs and restaurants and cinemas and cafes and all that stuff is opening back up again until 10 o'clock, which is great. But most importantly, as far as I'm concerned, football grounds can reopen as well at third capacity. So on Sunday next week, uh, me and my pals will be going to the to our first Ado game, Ado Den Haag game in a long time. So we're very much looking forward to that. So um, actually, whilst whilst I'm talking about that, we're going to do. I was going to do a shout out there, like I'm some sort of shit DJ. But uh, best wishes <laughs> to my pal Ant, who I know listens to us. He's got COVID. Uh, he got confirmed having COVID the other day. So all the best, mate. Hope you're feeling okay soon. And most importantly, <laughs> I hope you can come to the pub and uh, and and go to the match with us on Sunday. That is absolutely priority number one, as far as I'm concerned. You know, your well-being aside. Uh, I hope I hope you're well enough to come to the game with us on Sunday. Priorities. Well, uh, is that nationwide then, Dave, or is it more regional? There, is it the same everywhere? Yes, yeah, the same everywhere. So they've said that um, indoor places can be open 1,250 people, and outdoor events such as football matches can have a third mm. capacity. Um, okay. which I don't know I, I mean I don't want to go down this particular rabbit hole I, I'm surprised that indoor events can be a guaranteed 1250 but mm-hmm. outdoor events are 3000 uh, uh, a third sorry but I'm not complaining Addo have got a 15,000 seat stadium so um, I think as we've got season tickets we'll be alright I don't think <coughs> there are more than 5,000 <laughs> season ticket holders to be perfectly honest yeah. with you um, but we will see. Fingers crossed that we can go to the game on Sunday, and uh, mm-hmm. most importantly, go to the pub before and after. That is the uh, that's the key priority. Anyway, look at this. Three minutes in, and we've not talked about Wales once. So let's tell you what we are going to be discussing today. Um, we've got five points. I think we're going to talk about the Ryan Giggs situation and his court date being pulled back. We're going to talk about the yellow card situation ahead of the playoff game against Austria. We're going to talk about the re- the tickets which uh, have, have been uh, released when they're going on sale. Plus the women's team are playing a tournament in Spain and a few other bits and bobs to finish. Um, I guess the gig situation is the, the big talking point uh, since we last got together, Ruth. Um, it's... I think it's just a shame all in, and I totally recognise that there are very clearly more important cases that need to be to be held. And I, you know, I'm not blaming anyone at, uh, at Manchester Royal Crown. Is it Manchester? I think it is Manchester Crown Court, isn't it? I think it's the Crown Court. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know that that is what it is. Um, I've said this before, and I'll reiterate because I want to ask you a question that someone mentioned to me on Twitter. But at this point. Do you surely he should just walk away now, right? Well, I mean, I think I've, my stance has been he sh- he should have stepped down the November that this all you know started. 
Uh, and, but I don't see, given that hasn't happened till now, I can't see anything changing. I can't see anything changing from gigs' stance. I can't see anything changing from the FAW. I think, um, I think in some respects, this may help the FAW because it it takes it sort of off the table as a situation to deal with till at least August. Um, I think it might have been quite a difficult situation if the case had been had been heard now and then would have had repercussions for what was happening in March in terms of who was managing the game. I think in some respects, at least it's, it's pushed it the other side of those games and the June games. So I can't see anything changing, Dave. I mean, you and I have made it clear that I, I think he should have resigned. I, I think, I understand the point that people don't resign often on sort of lawyer advice because you don't want it to to make it sound like you're not going on sort of life as usual I'm innocent life should be going on as usual I can understand people don't want to make that point but equally there are lots of people who do resign and say I just want to be able to concentrate on this you know I'm I have to give 100% of my attention to you know the court case I can't do my job at the same time therefore I'm concentrating on it. there's plenty of people take that route as well and and it doesn't I don't think it does in the end make a difference to what well obviously it doesn't make a difference to what happens in court and in, in fact I don't think it makes a particular difference to the court of kind of public opinion either and I think sometimes stepping back looks better to the public as well um, yeah, I, this is the point given, I was going to make. Sorry, given where we are now, I don't think anything's going to change. Well, that's the thing. I was I was going to make that exact same point. I think you're right. In the court of public opinion, it might. I, I disagree. I think, you know, like you said there, I think it would have a, a a positive boost for him. In fact, it would certainly placate a lot of people. Um, and also, you know, this thing that you know he's been advised by his lawyers or whatever. I mean, you know, I don't want to get into too much detail here, but I can't imagine that Ryan Giggs has listened to too much advice of what's good or bad for him over the years. Um, you know, you can you can read into that what you choose. I I think the big thing for me, having said this a lot, and this time I think is a good time, is for the FAW to come out and say something. And I and I'm and maybe you know they're completely bound by some sort of confidentiality agreement. But even if they were to say, look, we appreciate this has been going on for a long time. I think I think we're talking eighteen months now, not coming up mm-hmm. on eighteen months. It would be not far off two years by the time the the trial gets heard. You know, for them to come out and say, "Look, guys, we know you want an update. We know you want some information, but unfortunately, we can't do that." Even that would help the situation a little, I think. Even if they can't say anything, I think the big thing for me is what makes me uncomfortable. Apart from the obvious, is that let's say, for argument's sake, we qualify for the World Cup. This goes on in August. Is he still at a point where he? let's say he's found not guilty that he could come back into that job because you're right okay it's kicked the can down the road a little bit now but by the same token where this can has to be opened at some point and if it's after we've qualified for a world cup and it's but you know in the middle of some nations league matches which are kind of going to be big games for us in the context of at least challenging ourselves in that way do we then need the distraction of someone else coming in and saying you know this is we're going to change the system again or this is what I want to do for the World Cup which let's not forget after September is only a couple of months away again I think this you know you, you say you know it, it takes the shadow away a little bit I I don't know for me I think it raises more more uncertainty 
And I can't imagine it's helping anyone. Equally, my last point is, I don't think that it can be helpful to people at the FAW that you and I, for example, are having this conversation. I I don't imagine it's helpful for the FAW that people, someone somewhere has probably got to spend time working on this circumstance, being in touch with gigs, page players, whoever. You know, it it, it does detract or, or distract, sorry, from what is coming up you know whether we whether we like it or not so i mean for me i've said it before there's you know it's time to go what i found really interesting about this and i'm gonna give a a a plug to to a mate of mine but also i think he's valid i think it's really really interesting that there's next to no media fuss about this situation into on in a football perspective like there's no column inches being written anywhere about someone saying something about should he resign or should he not i find that really interesting with the exception of a die sport article uh, written by um a pal of mine fraser watson who's been on the show before uh, who uh, is is a journalist talking about this is it this is it this is time to go I, I i it's a fantastic read i think and i think i find it interesting that no one else is really saying much and i and i don't know whether that is because of the situation it's not worth the hassle of you know getting in trouble with with uh, lawyers or whatever i don't know but i do find that particularly interesting myself i think that might just be a, a reflection of where we are i suspect that's gonna once it actually the court case starts i think there'll be a whole lot more interest in it. I think people have got a bit fatalistic. I don't think they're expecting anything to develop or change with the story until we're actually in court. Um, the thing that really frustrates me amongst a whole, you know, there's there's obviously there's there's people involved here. So you you know you have to put the people first. But I think my understanding, and I'm I may be I may be incorrect, but my understanding is he's still taking a check from the FAW. And I find that particularly odorous when the FAW is struggling for an income. Ticket prices, as we'll come to, ticket prices for games are going up because the FAW wants to be able to slide money into grassroots, and I don't blame them for that at all. But when you're paying someone the wage that you're paying him for nothing, he could he could have, even if he'd have legally been told you've got to keep your job, by the lawyers and he wanted to do that he doesn't have to take the check and i find that particularly noxious at the minute no i i agree with you and that was that was my my final thing on it because we've got to remember there is the possibility that he could be not guilty and you know and if that's the case then again that opens up a huge other can of worms which you know we're not going to go down that rabbit hole right now but that that is equally a possibility and i think that at the point, I think if he was to be found not guilty, I think it's better for him almost to be able to step away from everything. He doesn't need the money. If if he was to step away from everything, do the right thing for the FAW, and then if he's found not guilty, he can look ahead and in other jobs that might come up in the future. He said, "Do you know what? I did a great job with them. Difficult circumstances. I got, um, you know, I got screwed over in this circumstance. But do you know what?" employ me look look at that i did the right thing when i when i had to when i knew they were struggling for money i i i set myself away from it when i knew i was being a distraction i set myself away from it and he can't do that and you know why should he walk away from it if he hasn't done it i get that but it, this isn't about him anymore and if this was a purely financial situation you know i, I again i think it would be different different but it, it's very clearly not i think it is just what he's been told to do if you like by his lawyers and i 
and you know I, I, I just think that's I think that's wrong really um without wishing to labor this point I, I feel like we should move on um mm-hmm. mentioned the playoffs briefly there before we look at the tickets the big news that came out recently was that the yellow cards will be uh, wiped if you like from the from the previous campaign which is fantastic so all the players who are currently on one yellow um Ramsey and uh Kiefer Moore I think uh and uh, Harry Wilson were amongst those so it's fantastic news that there's kind of that not that hanging over them going into the Austria game they'll be able to go into that without that yellow card um unfortunately it does mean that Joe Morrell will not be able to play as he got his second yellow of the campaign in the final game against Belgium so that uh fine i was going to say what do i mean that um suspension suspension oh my god the suspension signs stands doesn't it yeah he's, he's got one game suspension yeah i mean apart from the morel household which we'll come back to in a sec i i do see that as fantastic news all around i mean i think it's a case of uefa actually being relatively sensible in fact i think it was ultimately fifa's decision but i think uefa had to request it yeah um but it should never really have been set up the way it was with teams playing different number of games and, and all that sort of thing. And, you know, just to play in some cases, 10 games and only be able to get one yellow card. It's a ridiculous ratio in the first place. So I think there's, I think there's legitimate questions about how we got in this position, but I do think sort of common sense has, has prevailed. And as bad as I feel for Joe Morrell, I do think it's important that the, the the goalposts do stay the same. That if you get if you gain two yellow cards within that campaign, you miss the next game. And I think it's really unfortunate for him, but I I think it's better that the system at least was consistent in that regard. Um, I mean, I think the fact that we haven't got Ramsey, Joe Allen, Kiefer Moore in particular, Harry Wilson, um, given how well he's playing at the minute, I think those were the four key ones. Um, Gunt, James Lawrence, and Sorber Thomas were the other the other three that were sitting on a single yellow. So overall, I think it's good news. I was surprised. Um, I think, for example, it means that um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic is, is definitely missing Sweden's first game um, of the of the knockout. So I think there was you know there was a feeling that UEFA might wipe things clean because they they didn't want some teams to be without key players um and they haven't done that at least so i think all in all i I mean it's just common sense basically isn't it yeah i think so and uh the only thing i will say about the joe morell one i did know that about zlatan but i think i'm right in saying that if you pick up two yellows during qualifying and for example your second yellow comes in the last match you're not then banned from the first game of the tournament, are you? No. So I, I do think that's a bit of a weird one because you've planned for eight games in our case, ten games in Scotland's case to pick up one yellow, which in and of itself is ridiculous. You get it in the last match on the basis you think we're qualifying, we don't miss the next. I don't miss the next game. So I do still maintain that's a little bit weird that that is rumbling on because it wouldn't happen into the tournament itself. If, for example, we won the group, I guess there would be other games in between for you to run that suspension off which then doesn't apply here which again i think is weird but you're right in the in the bigger picture i think it, it, it's it's great news i think that it does give a selection headache to an extent for 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 rob page because obviously morale was looking first choice 
Um, he's playing really, really well uh, at Portsmouth at the moment as well. So I do think that represents a bit of a headache. But I think we do have, you know, variety and variation in that area um, that can cover us at the moment. Ethan Ampadu's playing, you know, superbly well for uh, Venezia. So I can see him coming into that. Having fun. Line. He looks like he's having fun finally, yeah. doesn't he? Just, I mean, I mean, I'm judging that from Instagram, so God knows what I'm judging it on. But he looks like he's having a good time and he's a valued member of that squad, yeah. which is all we've been looking for for him. So, yeah, um, I'm really that seems to have been a really good move for him. Absolutely, and in a team that's not struggling, a team that's playing good football, uh, you know, they're having a good year. He's a big part of that. He's contributing every single week, pretty much in one way, shape, or form. So, fantastic things are going so well for him. Um, obviously, we mentioned the playoff there. The tickets uh, are going to be released. I think I'm right in saying the seventh of February is when they're going on sale. Um, that's the first round. That's yeah. the first round. Yeah. So uh, I think that's that's exciting times. I think I'm glad that they are uh, going to be sold on an individual basis. Um, you don't have to buy a ticket for both if you want to gamble ahead, if you like, and buy one for the second game, which I think is what the FAW are hoping most people probably will do, um, I think is is an interesting one. And there's three categories, for those of you who haven't seen it already, um, where it's people who are Red Wall member and got the double header, the Belgium-Belarus double header. Um, Red Wall members is the second tier, and just general sale then is the third. I'd be surprised if it goes to general sale, to be perfectly honest. Um, but you never know. Um I'm delighted to say that I'm in the uh, in the top category there, so I'll be I'll be I'll be rushing on to see if I can get my uh, my tickets for my pals in the Canton stand. So fingers crossed for that. Um, interesting to uh, hear about what they talked in 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 regards to the FAW and where the money is going from these games. Yeah, no, I think I mean the prices have gone up, and I think that was something that the FAW were conscious of, kind of explaining. Um, so I think the fact that they're trying to uh, slide the increased ticket price more sort of uh, overtly into the grassroots um, of of the game. Uh, I think that's important, and I'm glad that they, one, they're acknowledging it as an issue, not that they haven't, but they're very obviously acknowledging it as an issue, and two, that they're doing something about it, but without ludicrously increasing the prices as well. Absolutely. And I think what's worth mentioning is the most important thing, as far as I'm concerned anyway, is the junior prices are staying the same in any of the categories of the ground. Um, I also like that there's the young adult seat as well, which is still, you know, still not cheap. But I think when you consider what they're trying to achieve and what they're after, I think that's I think that's really, really important. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're a young adult, you can still get a ticket for 20, 25, 30 quid which is even 30 even category one tickets 30 quid which is you know still 10 pound cheaper than the full price so i think that's a really good initiative they've done and when you consider what they're actually trying to achieve like doubling the amount of registered footballers across uh, men's and women's football and then improving the facilities to support that i think is a fantastic ambition a fantastic target so that's something that you know is is not cheap is it so uh, you know i think They've got to do something to to benefit from the the kind of surge, if you like, in popularity of the team, and rightly so, because the alternative option, let you know, let us not forget, is that they make more money by taking the game to the Millennium Stadium. So, in the grand scheme yeah. of things, I'd rather pay an extra tenner for my ticket than go to the Millennium Stadium. 
yes, speaking of the Millennium Stadium, you've only got to look at the the, the slow sales on the on the rugby tickets and the price that, that they're at. To, you know, no, you can price yourself out of the market as well. You've got to be careful with these things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I saw that someone put on Twitter the other day that the same ticket they saw a Autumn International for has now gone from sixty five quid to one hundred and twenty quid. Same, literally the same seat, um, which is absurd, really. But you know, that's uh, that's a story for another day. That is their problem yeah. and not us. I, th- I thought there was an interesting comment from the, from. I mean, I'm glad they've done it. That they're conscious of it, but that the. the um, the risk of away supporters booking tickets, you know, joining the red wall and then being able to book tickets so that the FAW have put a kind of a, a, a date on that, that people had to have uh, been red wall members before before the draw yeah. in December um, or at least have a history with the, with the SA, FAW of, of purchasing tickets through the red wall. So I thought that was, they're obviously wise to the fact that perhaps the Scottish Supporters in particular will have tried to have jumped on and become Red Wall members to to get tickets. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. For, I think that's potentially for the show. second game. So I like the fact that we've been a bit canny about that as well. Yeah, I agree, and I think it's interesting as well. Two per eligible member for the for each set. So I I would be surprised personally how many tickets become available on general sale because I think the stadium can hold thirty five thousand. I think. Is that right? 32? I think it's a touch less less than that, but it's it's the low thirties, I think. I mean, you yeah. look at the fact that then, so it says on the the message that goes out, eight thousand two hundred fifty nine tickets are available at uh, people. Sorry, qualify at that stage of the membership and the and the double header ticket. So and that they can buy two tickets per membership. So you would assume that most people will do that. So then there's you know, you know, sixteen and a half thousand tickets. Half of the of the allotment will go before it even goes to stage two, I'd imagine. So I'd be very surprised if, I mean, it will probably get to general sale, but I'd be very surprised if there's that actually, that is that much availability even for the for the Scotland fans, uh, were they to kind of make that decision. Um, but still, I think they've, this is a really fantastic initiative and I think they've priced it just about right when you consider how big, um, how big a game it is as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very very excited. Looking forward to hopefully getting a ticket with a group of us uh, uh, going going to the going to the game. Um, we've obviously talked about the men's team a lot here, and God, we're rattling through this. This is almost this is boring on being <laughs> this is boring on being professional, Ruth. Um, what will people? Sorry, we'll screw it up. Yeah, yeah I was going to say I'm not getting too carried away. Um, the first five minutes of our 25 minutes so far, we're talking about your husband's dry January. So uh, you know, let's not get carried away. Um, the women's team, Ruth, have announced that they are going to play in the Pinatar Cup. I, do you know, I've, I paused over saying that there because every time I hear the see the word, I think of Pat Benatar. Uh, <laughs> so, so I had to stop myself from saying the 2022 Benatar Cup and in turn stopped myself from saying Pinatar, which is what they're playing. See, there you go. We're back. This is what people tune in for. Um, they are playing uh, three games at the middle and end of February, the 16th, the 19th, and the 22nd. Um, I'm a big fan of the fact that the final game of the tournament is on the 22nd or the 2nd, 22. But that is uh, that is just me. Again, back to nonsense. Um, the We are in a 
kind of it's kind of, it's in two halves. It's sort of knockout, but sort of ranked, as you say. I, you can explain it in a sec, Ruth, because you'll do a better job than me. But on our half of the draw, if you like, is going to be Belgium, Slovakia, and Scotland. Do you want to just mention how you think that the, the tournament will work, Ruth? Well, we play Scotland opening game, and then we'll play. Um, Belgium or Slovakia, but the way it's organised is it's, it's knockout in the sense that if we beat Scotland, yes, we've made the second round. Um, but if we lose to Scotland, the tournament is not over for us. The games continue, yeah. but they're used to rank your position within the eight teams that are competing. So it's a, it sounds a little bit more like a, a sort of a cup with a plate, which people might be more familiar with from from small rugby tournaments. Um, so there's a guarantee of three games. We'll play Belgium or Slovakia in the second, and then Russia or Poland, Ireland or Hungary in the third. And it, all, it obviously all depends who's who's won in their particular side of, of the draw. But regardless, you're going to get three good quality competitive games, even if we, even if we lose the first one. You know, you're going to get good opposition for the second and, and the third. So I think in... Gemma Grange's aim to have us playing as many teams as possible that are, are ranked with us and above us. It's, it seems like a really good a good option and some good um, warm weather training as well, presumably, given where it is in Spain. So I think all in all, it looks like it'll be a good a, a, a really good event for the girls. And I think if we're going to end up you know, runners up and and this very strange um, playoff arrangement potentially having to go to Australia for the for that weird mini tournament thing. I think just the I more experience we get of this sort of thing, the better. And so I think this is ticking so many boxes. I think it's great. Absolutely. I think the thing that has struck me is I feel like since Gemma Green just come in, we've really targeted certain types of of game. And that has continued here in a slightly different way. When we started, we were you know, we played uh, Denmark, who are kind of solidly above us, if you like, in that kind of next bracket. Uh, here, we're kind of sandwiched, really, between Belgium, who are the top-ranked team here, who are 20th, down to Slovakia, who are 44th, um, which I think is really, really interesting because every team we play with the exception of Slovakia perhaps and Hungary were we to play them is in and around us in the in the rankings but most importantly above us so we're always going to be challenging teams like Republic of Ireland and Poland who are the two teams immediately above us in the European rankings mm-hmm. as well as the Russians who are who are five uh, sorry eight places above us uh, and the Scots who are 10 when you actually consider looking at the points and all this I, you know I don't want to get too boring but it is they are really kind of tightly sandwiched together and i think it's really really important that that game against belgium or scot um yeah belgium uh, scotland sorry who so were starting with my mistake sorry that scotland game was that's a real big test for us because we played them not long ago and i think it was 3-0 they beat us um no no that was the that was the 1-0 with the we had a friendly in Tlenetli and that was the 1-0 with the goalkeeping error the oh, that's right. Yeah, as as um, always, my research has come. When was me. that? April. Uh, maybe? That was June. April Sorry, I'm I'm having now 
quickly googling this to make it seem like I know what I'm talking about. I've got myself, <laughs> I've got myself confused. We lost three 0 to Canada at home. That's yeah. the game I was thinking of. Sorry, that's confused me. Uh, we did. You are absolutely right. We lost one 0 to Scotland. It was the the goalkeeping error. Um, but again, I think that's a good kind of uh, level for us to be kind of targeting because you know that team did beat us at home. And yes, it was a, a, an error, but it was still it's still a, a game we couldn't score a goal in. Um, so to be looking at playing these teams in and around us I think is really really important especially if we do end up beating Scotland perhaps and going on and playing Belgium in the, in the second game I think that'll be a real real test for us because they are a, a very very good side so I think all in all it's it's great some warm weather training as you say getting the group back together and a good amount of time as well to break up the gap if you like between the last mm-hmm. qualifier and the next ones which is the France game I think is next for us in April so yeah I, I think it's, I think it's going to be really exciting I'm really looking forward to it no I think like I said I think there's there's nothing but good in this arrangement really really impressed with what's been organized absolutely absolutely um i've seen a few people mention on twitter they're going to try and make it out to spain and fortunately i would love to go for that weekend because it's in and around my half term but unfortunately well, i say unfortunately it probably will turn out to be unfortunate actually i've got tickets for newcastle west ham on that weekend so i'm going back to to london to watch newcastle invariably lose um the most expensive defeat uh the most expensively assembled team to lose again i'd imagine uh, but we did win on the weekend i don't know if you saw that ruth newcastle are we no, are, I heard, yeah. The great, the, the greatest. <laughs> I, I, to be honest, I'd be surprised if you didn't hear the noise coming from my living room. I cheered so much when the ref blew his final whistle that Shearer the dog lost his shit, was barking, jumping up, and I basically kneeled down to give him a bit of a hug as he ran into the room and he just completely knocked me over. So I was lying flat out on the floor with a dog, like this far away from my face, just rawr, 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 barking away in my face as I was like doing a little dance on the floor. Joy, bless her. How does she put up with me? I do not know. That poor, poor woman. Anyway, uh, we've got a few other kind of, I feel like this is just a news announcement, uh, the first bit here. Um, the Nations League locations have been announced for Rotterdam and Rawclaw, which I've almost certainly said wrong, uh, for the Poland away game. Uh, thoughts on that? I think Rotterdam and Wales playing in the De Kuyp Stadium is just... Uh, I don't know. I don't know why that feels really cool to me. Or that does feel really cool. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, I mean, just playing playing the, the Dutch in Holland seems a cool yeah. a cool step, doesn't it? Um, I think the Rotterdam is, I think, is a bit of a hike for people. But I understand that there's either Ryanair or EasyJet or somebody that, that does fly reasonably close to there. So hopefully, it's not as inaccessible as it might look on the map. Um, I mean, I'm just glad they've made some decisions and people can start doing a bit of planning. Obviously, it's now there's a big question about how much people will be able to move around Europe easily, but at least at least you know gives people something to work on. And uh, yeah, looking forward to those games. I it just at the minute, I'm I think I'm just too focused on March to even worry about what's happening in June and September. That is true. And um, there is an airport in that in that city as well uh, that I've right. just decided that I can't say, so I'm just going to stop. Um, so there's, yeah, so there's that. Um, and I you can find that from London City Airport, I've seen. Um, interesting, I've ju- I'm just going to mention this only because a few people have um, asked me about this, uh, messages and stuff this week. You can, there is an airport in Rotterdam um, so you can fly there if anyone's thinking of doing that. But uh, I think there's only certain. I, mean, I think maybe only London City Airport you can you can fly to from there. So 
I my top tip if you're interested to travellers is just to fly to Amsterdam. The the flights, especially from London and Bristol, Bristol's not that cheap, but like London's dirt cheap. The flight I got back for the Newcastle game in a couple of weeks. Um, was 29 euros so um, it, they are ridiculously cheap to fly to Amsterdam at the moment so if you are thinking of that or worried about that just go to, to Amsterdam and get to Rotterdam really really easily so you can do that um, the uh, one th- one thing I was interested about I just wanted to mention quickly on this was the stadium capacity at Feyenoord is about 50,000 um, I'm going to be intrigued to see what they do ticket wise with that in terms of selling tickets because they didn't sell out the Nations League's game, Nations League games, sorry, uh, in the last set. Um, so I wonder if, because I think they're only obliged to give us 5% capacity, which obviously would be 2,500, but I wonder if they'd be tempted to give us 10% uh, or at least a little bit more because, you know, there's going to be big interest in this. And on the basis of the last campaign, I don't think there will be that big an interest from the Dutch side. Um, so that was the only thing, because I think there are a lot of people who are intending to travel to uh, to, to to the Netherlands for that so it'll be an interesting one to see what actually happens in terms of ticket allocation but I hope everyone who can travel given the restrictions can get a ticket Do, do you think they've moved it from Amsterdam deliberately then to try and access a slightly different audience at their end or is it do you think it's, it's just a date and facilities availability thing I would imagine the latter is probably the, the reality of the situation I do n- know that there's a big uh, thing here uh, between Ajax and final, obviously, but I'm mean, in terms of um, the De Kuyp is seen as a as a certain type of stadium. There's a big pride in Rotterdam Feyenoord fans that they hold the Dutch Cup final every year at the uh, De Kuyp Stadium, um, and I right. think they've they've also hosted a lot of classic matches over the years, both for the Netherlands and, and European games and stuff as well. So they're very kind of proud of that. So maybe there is an element of it being moved about. Um, I also, yeah, there's, I'm sure there's a clash with something else somewhere because it's the summer months. So I'm, I'm sure there's maybe a concert going to be intended to happen at the Amsterdam Arena. I don't know. But um, I think it's going to be fun. I've been th- to the Tukai before for a friendly, uh, pre-season friendly final played Ado Den Haag. And uh, it's a proper old-fashioned, it looks a bit shit on the outside stadium. Um it's really close to the pitch. Um, it's a really great atmosphere there. There's a train station which is literally across the road from the ground, so it's really easy to get in and out of. And Rotterdam's quite a weird city, actually. It's quite—I um, feel like you need to know where you're going. It's quite industrial, but there's some really cool areas, and hopefully the weather will be good. There's some great bars um, along the river that runs through the city as well, so it'd be great to uh, to get a Wales contingent on. Uh, they have like these big boats, which are bars. It'd be great to have. Um, uh, a Wales group taking over one of those boat bars, but uh, yes, we will see. Um, as you can tell, I'm not excited about the uh, the prospect of Wales <laughs> Wales playing down the road. At all. Yeah, at all, yeah, though. yeah. Sounds <laughs> shit. I wish wish it wasn't here. Um, yes, but that is my top, uh, you know, uh, holiday planning tip for anyone who's <laughs> looking to come. Um, I wanted to mention three Wales players, Ruth, before we finish. Um, Ramsey, Bale, and Wilson. Um, let's start on Gareth Bale I think um, he was in training for Real Madrid and got on the bench for them in their 2-2 draw the other night against a team I've forgotten who they are uh, is it I I I I'm not I'm I'm, 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 I'm sounding it out as though it were a Germanic name and obviously it's a Spanish name I don't know how you should say it I'm going to google uh, it to but they played it them, them twice didn't they in the league and the 
Um, yeah, Sunday's game was in the uh, yeah. Sunday's game was the league game, but they played them in Copa del Rey as well. Elche, sorry. I okay, okay. Uh, that is that that is actually how you pronounce it as well. I think. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I did know that, but that was my my mind is gone. But yes, he was on the bench in that game. I'll start this segment again. So it seems like we're not talking about. <laughs> I won't, bo- I won't bother editing it, but, you know, at least you can see we tried. So Gareth Bale was on the bench uh, after returning to training for Real Madrid uh, in a 2-2 draw against Elche, I think it's pronounced, Ruth. Um, our man didn't get on, but it is great to see him uh, back in the squad. Yep, progress. I think um, he's an interesting case. I think he needs game time before March. Um, I think Ramsey has demonstrated that he can he can turn it on and off much more easily. Um, Bale is the one that I'd like to see getting some game time, um, game time before March. I think, uh, you know, few substitute appearances, few games started, just some some miles in the legs. I think it will make the world a difference for him. So, yeah, very encouraging to see him back. Yeah, I think I think you will get some game time at some point, as you said, between now and March. Not loads, but I think even a little twenty minute here and there uh, will make a big, big difference for him. So yeah, it's good news, uh, perfectly timed as well. Hopefully, he can get himself back to match fitness and get some minutes in. Um, we'll go to Ramsey next, as you mentioned him there. He, I don't know what you say, he's someone who doesn't who doesn't necessarily need the minutes, but I think it's such a long time since he last played for uh, Juve that I think we're at a point now where he really, really does need the game time to get into that because it's it's a big challenge. I'm just going to double check again. My uh, I closed the wrong window when I, when I closed the <laughs> Wales women thing before. Um, but I, th- I think it might have been November he last played, which when you consider mm-hmm. that we're now waiting until March, that is actually a, a, a long old time, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that I wouldn't rather he gets game time. I just, if I was choosing between the two of them, I think it makes more difference to bail. I think Ramsey is closer to being able to turn it on and off, but it's it's obviously not ideal. Yeah. Um, and things things seem to have gone pretty cold with the transfer news, don't they? I, I saw that uh, chat that Burnley might be looking at a loan, West Ham back on the table, Newcastle just kind of circling and being as indecisive as ever. <laughs> so I'm not sure what's not sure what's going on there, and it it. It might be that you stay in it, staying at Juve and just sitting it out. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's a it's a tough one. Just to complete my sentence from before, he last played in the league in September, believe it or not, um, but last got some actual game time in the Champions League in November, um, October. Sorry, in October. Um, so he, his last games were for us in November, then. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's it's a weird one, isn't it? I. I've read today that he's been told by Juve that he needs to make a decision this week and that it will happen this week. Um, he said no to Burnley. He said no to Palace because the, the the deal wasn't right. So that realistically in a financial situation leaves... It's an interesting one. I, I think in terms of people who could just drop it and afford his wages, Villa are a very wealthy club, as are, as are we now, but so, is, you know, so are Everton, for example. Um Everton have just changed their manager, so maybe someone might come in and have a gamble on him. I don't know whether they'll think it's not worth it. I don't know. I could see Everton being quite a good fit for him, actually, uh, depending on the circumstance. If I take my black and white glasses off. I'd be surprised if we went to Villa purely for the reason that uh, if you look at the players they've got there in midfield, Buendia, McGinn, obviously Coutinho they've signed now, and himself, I'm not sure where he kind of fits into that team. Mm. 
So from a football perspective, I don't know where that would leave him. Obviously, I'm sure they'd be able to afford his wages. But again, I don't know what the financial fair play situation would be. You know, that you're talking about taking on half a million euros worth of wage each week. They, I'm sure Coutinho is not playing for uh, uh, a, you know, a pint of Guinness and a packet of pork scratchings either. So I, I'm intrigued. I, I'm beginning to convince myself only, if I'm honest, that Newcastle is the only realistic option for him. But I do, I do think it's an option for him. And I do think it would he would play in that number eight ten role, and he would play there every week that he was fit. Um, plus, he's so devilishly handsome in black and white stripes. We already know. I think it really suit him. I, you know, our prediction of two weeks ago that we didn't think anything would happen looks like it's going to be wrong. Obviously, because it looks like something's going to happen this week, and um, we love an incorrect prediction. So we'll see. It looks like realistically it's going to be us or Villa. On the basis that I never get anything that I want in a footballing world, I'm going to go out and stick stick my neck on the line and say I'll end up at Villa. I I don't know. I, I really don't know because they can't actually make him move. So it's it's all well and good them saying something's got to be sorted this week, but I don't think they can literally make him move. No, but you've got to consider the alternative there as well, though. The alternative is then he's basically, they're going to say, right, we've we've given you a month to sort yourself out and you haven't done it. You've got these games coming up in March. Like the next time you're going to play competitive football is going to be the playoffs and the Nations League. Mm-hmm. We're going to freeze you out. We're going to sit you over there with the kids. I just don't think it's, I don't think it's, I, I don't think it's in his best interest to do that either. He's not that sort of person. I I, I, I say that like we're best pals. But... I, I, I agree, but he, but... <laughs> I agree. I think he's. I think he's looking for a move. I just don't think they're finding the right, the right one. And then you reach a point where are you just you go through all the upheaval and the uncertainty for the sake of it, or are you actually better just, as you say, training with the youngsters? You, you know, you reach yeah. a point where I think the. I would rather see him move because I think he needs the game time, and he's too. He's too potentially too valuable a player for the clubs that we're talking about. You wouldn't want, I, I mean, I wouldn't want you, I, and I'm saying this is like to the sis, but I wouldn't want Newcastle to miss him when he's available because I do think you need him. So some people just need to get their act together, basically. Now, whether that's some deal with Juve where they share the, share the wages, although I don't think that's really an issue in Newcastle's case, some kind of guarantees in terms of, is it a loan with a view to a sign-in? Is it a sign-in? How long is the deal? I think there just needs to be some head knocking together here. But um, but I don't think you can force it either. No, I know what you mean. As I understand, his wife has, uh, and kids have already gone back to South Wales. So I, I I do think there's the expectation that it will happen in some way, shape or form. Um, I just think there's a lot of big games coming up for him, which is in his best interests as well. You're right, they can't make him move, but I, I don't think it suits him either to be sat in Italy on his own not playing. I don't think that's you know does anyone any, any favours. Um, I think the last thing on that I have heard chat of in Newcastle circles is that uh, the players have gone to Saudi Arabia this week for some warm weather training and we're playing a game over there, which for what it's worth, I thoroughly disagree with, but that's a story for another podcast. Um, what I think 
is interesting. There's a lot of chat and rumours going around that the Saudi Arabians want there to be a marquee signing whilst the the club are over there so that the presentation, if you like, of the new player doesn't happen in Newcastle. It happens in Saudi Arabia, which, again, taking my personal opinions on that away, I, I can see that making sense from their perspective. And I suppose if, you, you know, if you've been waiting to haggle along for a deal and whatever now is a good enough time to do it he's had covid so couldn't have been able to go anywhere anyway you know i'm obviously talking myself into this and making it making excuses for myself to get the thing i want but i can i do think there's that does make sense to me whether it's happening or not and i've just invented it and listening to things that i want to believe i just i can see that being the case i think realistically it looks like his only options if he wants to move to the premier league are going to be villa or newcastle um so Let's hope he makes the right decision and, and, and doesn't and doesn't go to Birmingham. Um, the it's very, it's, the whole Saudi thing is really sort of noxious and uncomfortable, isn't it, Dave? And I think at a point where it's in, I hadn't I hadn't heard that news, and I think it's interesting that that's being pushed because I think from a PR perspective, right now, neither of those things it doesn't make sense to me that they're doing those things just from a, P, a sort of anti-PR point of view, you know, taking the team there, showing them off, um, getting a marquee signing, showing him off. I think, um, I don't think that's actually going to do them any good in the in the public eye right now at a time when sort of flaunting things might not actually be in the best interest of the, of the owners in as how as how it's viewed by the public, so I think I think that's an interesting sort of misstep, is how I see that. I mean, I, I think there's two ways of looking at it. Without wishing to go too far off topic, I I think you're right. Obviously, from a a, a UK, if you like, or Westerners' perspective, mm-hmm. I, I think you're right. It's a misstep. It's it's a PR on goal at this stage of the game, though. If they've taken over them, if you were going to stop supporting Newcastle United because of your opinions on Saudi Arabia then you will have already done that by now this is not going to be the final straw for you that ship will probably have already sailed for the most part secondly I don't think they particularly care what their PR view is from from the western world Mm -hmm. in in one sense you know you've got to remember that I think it was you know a week or so ago they said they claimed they accidentally in inverted commas bombed a a Yemeni prison I you know I'm not I'm not responsible for ballistic missiles but I I, you know I can trip up a stair by accident I I, I refuse to believe that you can bomb something by accident anyway um I I think my point there is that there's probably some they're probably looking for a news a good news story at their end um and this football team that they're desperately trying to get a load of, of, of Saudi Arabian people to get behind and back and support and financially commit to and whatever else which does seem to be happening which is which is interesting you know, it does massively suit the PR angle from that side, which from what I can gather is pretty much all they give a shit about. So, you know, I think there is that angle from it as well. I I think that, you know, again, this is a story for another day. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I do. I do want to point out to people because people do say these things back to me. I'm, I'm not. I'm very much a support the team, not the regime. I was, I was like that for 14 years under Mike Ashley. I'm not comparing him to these people. But, you know, I got a message off someone the other day saying, you know, I can't believe you still support them. Well, you know, football doesn't work like that. I can sing and celebrate when my team win. It doesn't mean I'm singing and celebrating for these guys. And I, I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, these. this is, uh, again, to avoid the pun, it is very much not a black and white situation. And I think 
you, uh, people who have these opinions that Newcastle fans are all idiots and are all walking around wearing, you know, the full kit and, uh, you know, the tea towels on their heads and waving the Saudi Arabian flags and all this, like, th- that is a complete misnomer from what things are actually like. And I think it's worth remembering there are some real fans out there who've, you know, who've supported this team for a long time and it's, as they say, the uh, the name over the door can change, but the the name on the badge is always the same, and that's what a lot of people support. Anyway, um, before this turns into a Newcastle <laughs> podcast, let's talk about another team in black and white. Yes. <laughs> um, Did you do a segue there? <laughs> uh, that was perfect. And I came up with that one all off the top of my head as well. Very happy. Let's talk and finish today, Ruth, by talking about Harry Wilson, who I think it's fair to say is in absolutely outrageous form. Amazing. And and another person who's having fun. I mean, we talked about Ampadu earlier in the earlier in the podcast. I think this is a this is a classic case of someone who's needed a new home and he's finally got a new home and is valued and appreciated and, and contributing. I mean, when you consider that he's been involved in over a quarter of their goals and the, the way they're rattling them in as well, say. that's a lot of goals. Um, and you know, he's he's knocking t- his he, I think his own I think his goals at eight or nine, um, another dozen assists or so. I mean, I think it's just it's just great to see. I think it it raises a nice pon- question for us to ponder in terms of the starting team for us come March if if his form is like this. Um, but I do think it's a it's an I think it's a very um, illustrative case of a player where the loan system just it just ran its course and that it, it, he just needed a home yeah um and it's very pleasing to see how this is working out for him yeah i agree i mean you look at ben woodburn just on a slight detour that's he's a, a kate point in fact there you know he's actually doing quite well at, at heart mm-hmm. and i know dylan levitt has been playing very well for uh he's at dundee isn't he um I mean, I'm going to fact check that as I as I talk, <laughs> but um, I, I think that you know that they're they're both a, a case in point there that you at a point you need to settle and, and what Harry Wilson did there. You talked about the goal contribution stuff; it's amazing. They've scored 22 goals in their last four games. <laughs> Absolutely unbelievable! In the seven nil win against Reading, he got uh, two goals and three assists. Um, just remarkable. And, and, learned a, and learned the penalty as well. I yeah, think, if I remember right. very true. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got an assist against uh, Bristol City. Um, I mean, I, I just looking at when I when I started looking at this, it made me shudder. <laughs> the thought of the, you know, uh, they've just unbelievable. They've scored seven goals twice in the last like <laughs> twelve games or so, and in the same time, they've also scored six goals twice and four goals twice. It's absolutely remarkable. Like they won't beat Peterborough 1-0. And if you're a Fulham fan, you're supposed to be bored out of your mind with a 1-0 win. I mean, Christ. You know, even when they scored their six goals against Birmingham and Bristol in consecutive games, they also conceded two. I mean, talk about value for money, a Fulham season ticket. You're getting it on average in the last four goals. You're getting about six goals a game on average, yeah? Absolutely unbelievable. Um, so yeah, credit credit to him. Uh, I think this is, as you say, a case in point where things have really worked out for him. He's clicked. He's found a home. He's he's being played in the right position. I think that's also really important to to remember as well. Um, and they're in a in a in a team that play football the way he needs to have it played football. Like you look at that Cardiff City loan last season, for example. 
a lot of that football is being played over his head. His job was not mm. what what it is here. Whereas he's being left to create here, uh, I think that's really really important. So yeah, credit to him. I think he's done fantastic, and it it raises an interesting question. I mean, does he displace Gareth Bale on the right? Probably not. But if Bale's struggling for fitness and can't do a full match, then you know, given the way he's playing, I think that's fantastic news uh, for, for Wales. But obviously, you know, if you're if you are a Fulham fan as well. Um, I was hoping you were going to respond to that, Ruth, so I could... Well, no, I was just, just going to... I think it'll be interesting. I mean, assuming that they're getting promoted, it'll be interesting to see how they how they tackle the changes. I think they, they did it all wrong last time. They got rid of... They sort of did a root and branch thinning, didn't they, last time? And uh, hopefully there's some lessons learned because I think they've got... But they've got something good going there, and I, th- I think it would be good to see it moving up into the Premiership. Absolutely, absolutely. I wanted you to respond there so I could uh, tap away and find out. Uh, Dylan Lever is uh, at Dundee. He's Dundee United on loan. I've just also <laughs> seen that he's 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 not scored a goal at any level of his senior career. Would you believe? Not at Man United, Charlton, Istra, Dundee, or at Wales seventeens, nineteens, twenty ones. Or the senior team he has not scored a goal in a senior career for anyone. There's your fact of the day, ladies and gentlemen, that I've just found completely by accident. Um, I don't think I have anything else to add, Ruth, unless I've forgotten something, which is not off the cards. No, I think, I think, I think we've waffled long enough. To be honest, you say waffle for long enough. I mean, we have done a bit of waffling there. Um, but consider we had five things to talk about, and some of those things were points within points. Um by our standards, fifty-two minutes is a uh, is a really good effort there. I that's, think that's that's concise and focused and uh, to the point. It really is. That <laughs> exactly that included a conversation about dry January, my moral beliefs on Newcastle United, and uh, and, and just, your dog and my it's, dog. It's always your dog. Yeah, that's true. Actually, we, we had to mention Shira tourism dog. guy from Rotterdam. You know the works. That's all true. In actually, there. you've actually considering we're giving this stuff out for free. People should be bloody grateful <laughs> what we're giving them. Um, you know, it's like uh, I was going to say, homes under the hammer. Then what do I mean? What was the one? Judith Chalmers. What did she do? Well, she did a travel. In my youth, it was a travel program. She uh. did. What was that called? But that's that's probably before you were born, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, oh, like Homes in the Sun or something like that. Was that not Judith Chalmers? I've like I've no idea. Quite possibly. Yeah, well, that's You're asking what, the wrong person. Yeah, that's what I meant by this. Uh, you know, uh, that's what I meant by my my helpful 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 tourist information. It wasn't Judith. What did she do? She did. Uh, uh, this will maybe be my final Google. Um, <laughs> just just pad for a minute, Ruth. Judith. <laughs> yeah, no, she did, in my in when I was in my youth, she did a, she did like a travel TV show on. Yeah. ITV, uh, I think. The one I was thinking of was "Wish You Were Here." That's the one. That's the one I'm yeah. thinking of as well. There you go. Yeah. So there you was go. Was that BBC or ITV? Oh, I tell you what, we're covering all the big topics here, aren't we? Uh, <laughs> I, ITV, that was ITV. Okay. Um, yeah. So I don't know who I'm thinking of who does uh, Sunshine Homes or whatever I just called it, but uh, Sunshine Homes sounds like some retirement home. Okay. I we are going even my heart standard. We are off topic uh, now. <laughs> so I think, uh, yeah, Homes in the Sun or something like that. Anyway, I'll find that out for the next episode. Um, I bet you're glad we're only doing every two weeks now, ladies and gentlemen, rather, <laughs> rather than every week. So uh, count yourselves lucky, I would say. Right, I think it is time we stop there before I t- start talking yeah. about my favourite TV programmes. Um, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for your time as always, Ruth. 
You're welcome. <laughs> and thank you to you poor bastards at home for listening. We are very much appreciative. And we will speak to you in two weeks, and it will not be some sort of holiday guide. Thank you very much, and goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>